I'm so confused of what's going on in the news. There's a tipped minimum wage? What does that mean? Hi, I'm Allison. And hi, I'm Rocco. And that was Shreyas you just heard there. We're part of FAIR, and this is the Irrational Expectations podcast. Each episode, Shreyas speaks out an article from the Daily News that's got him confused. Allison and I are here to help him. This episode's article is by Next City, titled New Study Argues for End of Tipped Minimum Wage. Just for some background, the article cites an analysis done by the Center for American Progress, which asserts that ending the subminimum wage for tipped workers, such as bartenders, waiters, and hairdressers, would decrease poverty and inequality. And the way the analysis worked is it looked at wages in eight different states, which already got rid of the tipped minimum wage, noting that within those states, tipped industries have done just as well or better in other states. They also classified three different groups of states, low tipped minimum wage, middle tipped minimum wage, and one fair wage, where there isn't a tipped minimum wage. The last category had the least amount of poverty. So my first question, though, would just be, what is tipped minimum wage and why did it exist in the first place? So essentially, tipped minimum wage is taking a minimum wage and then subtracting whatever is expected to get in tips. So you're probably used to hearing how in the U.S., or if you're from the U.S., you're just used to this, uh, tipping is absolutely expected. You go to a restaurant, you go to you know, any, uh, any place where you have uh, servers or waiters, you always tip. And they, have, they tip ridiculously high compared to what you're probably used to in Europe. Like 20-30% tip is kind of the standard. Yep. So the way it works there is essentially instead of paying your waiters minimum wage, what you do is you just pay them less and then you expect them to make up the money in tips so they actually make that minimum wage that is legally required. So what happens if like, uh, if, if the employee doesn't make it up in tips? Well, in most states, it's required that the employer makes up for that and kind of pays them the difference. But oftentimes in practice, that doesn't end up being the case because, you know, keeping track of tips and all that, sometimes they don't just follow through because it gets messy. Sometimes it's done on purpose. But from everything I've seen generally, the waiters don't match their tips. They don't get a paid extra just to actually meet minimum wage. Okay, and that seems consistent with the with what the article is saying, but that also makes me question, like, what is the benefit of legislating a tipped minimum wage in the first place? I think the argument there, essentially, we need these minimum wages to be lower than the actual minimum wage just to stay afloat. There's a lot of arguments there that, oh, you know, we're already spending so much money, the customers wouldn't pay extra. Because they argue that it's not accounted for in the price and how tipping affects it. So there's essentially an argument there from many restaurants and that, that it would make them go out of business to pay their employees actual minimum wage as opposed to that lowered one. So it's a way of essentially having the workers being paid by consumers in a sense. Directly, yeah. Yeah. I see. Okay, that's interesting. How many industries, though, are impacted by tipped minimum wage? This is obviously definitely tipped minimum wage is something to care about, but I want to know... Uh, the degree of importance to understand what component of control this kind of legislation has over poverty and would give me an understanding of how of the impact of the actual correlation that they found in the study between states well yeah yeah, you're looking predominantly at the service industries right so you're not going to see any sort of tipping going on in a factory right so we're looking at your your usual bars right your restaurants etc i'm not sure whether this sort of practice is in place with let's say like concierges at hotels so i suspect that this is sort of like really predominant in in the food service sector. I see. And I guess uh, something that comes to mind is, well, 
why haven't I heard about this before? It seems relevant to like a lot of low income workers who work in places like restaurants, right? So why haven't I heard of this kind of legislation before? Is it just not that relevant or is it something that we just kind of ignore? I would say you've probably heard of it before, but just not represented like this. Have you ever heard the debates around should tipping be a thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've and that's exactly that. this. That's I the see. same debate under a different name. That makes sense. Okay. I want to move on to my next question as well, which is related to something you mentioned earlier, Allison, about how in practice don't end up actually paying employees enough money to compensate for uh, actually achieving the threshold of an actual minimum wage. And even though they're legally obligated to pay employees enough so that they can sustain the minimum wage. So we see the law is rarely ever enforced about this. So I guess my main question would be, how do we actually get an ability to enforce uh, things around labor laws or this specific law? How do we make sure that employers do pay employees as much as they need to be paid? Very simple. Just pay minimum wage across the board. I see. You'd hardcore be in favor of ending the tipped minimum wage. Absolutely. Yeah, like uh, short of doing that, right? I think that sort of the obvious efforts that come into mind here revolve around, as always, education. Because oftentimes these workers really don't kind of like know how to follow through on their rights or like how to stand up to their boss and things like this. So edu- making sure that everyone knows and is educated about how to like how this is their right to top up right up to the minimum wage if they're not getting tipped enough, right? Like maybe publicizing things as well, right? So encouraging workers actively to make sure that they're getting paid appropriately, right? getting paid what they're due, and like doing a few high level prosecutions of a few people, right? A few employers who who actually violate labor law, right? Or try to intimidate employees or anything like that. Th- that would do wonders, right, under this practice to kind of remedy what we're looking at here. Although, yeah, like personally, of course, uh, I'd also suggest just going to the, min- the minimum wage. Right. And that makes sense. But I guess what prevents employers from also just underpaying minimum wage in general? Yeah. So like, whereas labor laws can go unforced when it comes to tip minimum wage, it's it, like, it's going to be hard. It's much harder for employers to pull that sort of thing when it comes to fair minimum wage laws, right? And the reason for that is just because, yeah, it's kind of easy, as I also was talking about in the beginning, to, like, when there are a lot of moving parts, it's hard to keep track of where the tips are coming in, right? Who's getting tips, uh, how much you were getting paid that way, et cetera. It's easier to pull a fast one on your employees if you're some, like, uh, bar owner. It's going to be much harder to do that if uh, we, like, if everyone knows, yep, yeah, I'm supposed to get paid this much a week, right? And there's no weird sort of topping up or filling up on what I've gotten in tips to to be had here, right? It's like, it's very simple. Everyone can understand it, right? There are no issues with educating the worker on what their rights are, what they're due. I see. This, though, makes me think of, um, I guess, the reason why I ask this question is because I think enforcing labor laws would especially matter for people like undocumented immigrants, let's say, right, who come into this country, they work, many even service jobs, you could say, and I was sort of wondering, well, like, if I'm an undocumented immigrant, I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to complain too much, right, about um, being screwed over by my employer. So how what is a way to ensure that the workers are able to know, you know, like how much they should be paid? I think there you're running to an issue of like because you can enforce labor laws when you have a registered employee. Now, if you have someone that's undocumented, you don't have any way to actually register them for tax purposes. So honestly, I don't see a way you can set up a system where you can ensure someone who's in the country illegally or, you know, is undocumented can actually get minimum wage because the way that's enforced 
is by being registered and having to tax it and all that. So I, I honestly don't know how you could guarantee it for someone, you know, who's undocumented. And it just gets back to the fact that it's like you're so much more prone to being taken advantage of, discriminated against, like underpaid if you are an illegal immigrant, right? Uh, like the only way to solve this, if you if you want to, right, uh, is is by dealing with the underlying issue of their status in the country, right? And so that gets into the broader debate of, hey, do we legalize them, right? Do we uh, give them a pass to citizenship, et cetera? Do we, like, do we remove them from the country, et cetera? That's for, for a different time. I see. That makes sense. And it sounds like we're on the same page about, at the very least, tipped minimum wage. Um, but I have, I guess, another question about how legislation works. It seems like whether or not there's a tipped minimum wage is dependent on the state, since there are eight states that have already ended it, and the rest of the states still have some form of tipped minimum wage that exists around. But there are federal laws about how tipped minimum wage actually works, such as requiring employers to make up the difference between the minimum wage and the amount their employees get tipped. I know that this isn't always enforced, but is there a difference in what kinds of things the state and federal governments are able to legislate on when it comes to things like minimum wage? So I'll just quickly say on a broader level before handing over to Allison, basically anything that isn't explicitly given to the federal government as a power to make law on is given is uh, delegated to the states. And this goes back to how uh, we are the United States, right? And, it, and we're supposed to, uh, it's states coming together and giving up some powers, but not all, to the federal government. If it isn't directly stated somewhere in, in, in the Constitution, right, it's, it's up to the states to make their minds up on it. But I'll hand over to Allison now for the specifics. Yeah, I think when it comes to this, federal government gives out the structure of it. So basically, in this specific case, it's like, if you're going to have minimum tipped wage, this is how it's going to work. This is how the employers are going to have to make up for it. But it's not, uh, you have to have minimum tipped wage. It just kind of outlines the structure for it, yeah. assuming you choose to have minimum tipped wage. States have absolute freedom to just say, no, I don't want to have minimum tipped wage and just get rid of that all. Well, not absolute freedom, right? Because if the federal government did say to, hey, hey, let's amend, let's have a convention, right? Let's all just amend the constitution, right? Then the states who didn't want it just have to, like... All right, but like that's that's we're getting into something <laughs> a bit ridiculous. That's not going to happen over minimum, it's not over minimum and, wage. Yeah. And I guess I guess my broader question from that would be: Is there a specific kind of trend in terms of what we tend to allow, or the federal government tends to allow states to take control over versus what they think they should be in control over? Look, I think generally the move here is like let's let's look at what's going on around you know marijuana legalization of that. You have the move there where states go first, then. You know, then there's a push on the federal government level, and then some states end up catching up. And I've, you know, you we see this pattern across many different ranges. So as long as it's not something particularly controversial, like you know, in the U.S., gun laws are incredibly controversial, so you're not going to have the pushes be as direct there. But if it's something like a recreational use of cannabis, things like that, or you know, minimum tipped wage. Usually what happens in the U.S. is a few states do it and try it and they show, hey, it's working. And then there's a bit of a push on the federal government side and then other, some of the other states catch up. Yeah, that's and I kind guess of the general pattern. And I guess that's what happened with gay marriage, right? Like a lot of states. Yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. yeah. okay, that makes although, sense. Although there's a bit, of a bit of an issue here, right? Because there you, you could say that it, it was the Supreme Court, right, which legalized it across the country. Right? And yeah, like a lot of the thinking that was put on paper, right, by by the justices, right, who affirmed the opinion, it was definitely taking into account the sort of, yeah, we see that this is going to be a general shift in the public opinion over time, right? 
there's some really complicated uh, sort of pieces of reasoning here on the part of the Supreme Court, right? A lot of different views getting mixed up here. It, it does get kind of yeah, absolutely like the way the way the Supreme Court falls into kind of pushing around legislation and changing structure is massive, and I don't think anywhere in the world do you see the highest courts having such an impact on what's legal at the moment, and then one ruling can change everything. Like the Supreme Court really plays a major role in how all this works and does make a lot of changes there that you would see nowhere else done. And when you examine the sort of reasoning behind it and the sort of different camps you've got, it's all very, very much, it's very rigorous. Like it's very complicated philosophical stuff right there. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I'm sure, you know, I'm actually going to look more for Supreme Court <laughs> articles too <laughs> for, for future, future okay, episodes. Yeah. But I, I have another Maybe last question, if we ended tipped minimum wage, how would it affect people, I guess, outside of those who relied on tipped minimum wage? Like, for example, if I work in a restaurant on tipped minimum wage, I understand that if laws were to change, I, as a worker at the restaurant, would probably get a full minimum wage, which would be a big improvement for myself, depending on the circumstance. But how would putting everyone who's previously affected by tipped minimum wage on normal minimum wage affect everyone else, right? Like all other workers? Well, I think the first thing to keep in mind here is that it's going to depend on the geography, right? Because if I'm a worker in some place with a fair minimum wage, it doesn't really matter to me if the workers in a, a few states away suddenly change from tipped minimum wage to a normal minimum wage system, right? Because it's not really easy for, it's not common to see this flood of people from other geographies coming in just to take advantage of small, relatively small changes in the law, right? Uh, if anything, you'd see, the, like, you'd see it go the other way, right? Where people who were previously kept out by the complication of these tipped minimum wage systems move from from other states which which have no advantage on these tipped minimum wage right but if but but right but if i have like a business right that i want to start if i want a restaurant business and i know that uh and if i don't really care too much about my workers and i know that i can make a big profit off of just having a tipped minimum wage instead of a minimum wage i can maybe even move to like a neighbor neighbor state right where they do have a tipped minimum wage just so that i can have a lot more chance at at least the beginning aspects of or the beginning parts of uh starting up my restaurant business right yeah so you mean like taking advantage of the ability to have lower costs lower employment costs yeah absolutely because you'd have the consumer pay a lot of uh, the minimum wage and you would also be able to avoid a lot of labor laws in terms of compensating your workers right i'll just quickly say right that you'd see that sort of thinking like applied with big corporations but when you're talking about some small small business owner, right, that's that's not really something that will come into play, the idea, oh, hey, I'm going to move two, three states away to take advantage of that sort of thing. It's, that's the sort of option that's really reserved for people who have the uh, the ability to Demise. do so, to really just to move, to sell their house, to sell their business that they've had for decades, right, and move to somewhere else. Yeah, let, let's, let's assume that's like a good enough reason for you and you want to figure out what's just the most optimal. So basically there, you're going to have kind of two things to look at. Okay, yeah, state one is going to be cheaper for you to operate in. But also, restaurant prices are going to be expected to be lower. Tipping is expected, so the people are still going to come less. And it's the same thing. On the other hand, you have a state where it's more expensive for you, but the standard costs for food are higher because most restaurants account for those extra costs by increasing the price of food. So you have higher margins, you can fit that in. Also, the stigma of tipping isn't an issue there. So farm, you know, people are much more comfortable to go to a restaurant. They don't have to worry about the tip because it's already covered as part of their cost. So you might actually end up with higher customer bases. So it is kind of a balance where on one hand, yeah, you might have direct startup costs lower for the first like three months. 
but long term the clientele and the structure of that is better on the other side so it balances out it's basically the same net yeah. average i'm usually suspicious of a lot of the arguments made against the minimum wage right because yeah yeah like the argument is oh like we you shouldn't raise the minimum wage too high you shouldn't rate like mandate higher employment costs otherwise it's going to put some businesses out of business and then you're going to ironically have higher unemployment than you would have had if you just not done a minimum wage but like usually right that's not actually substantiated by the evidence right like yeah there are a few cases and like i'm all for good policy and this is just this is a blanket statement there will be cases where it's not a good idea to keep on raising uh, higher like keep on mandating higher employment costs but like in general this sort of reasoning just doesn't really hold up like especially in america where we, we have re- typically been re- very much low regulation very much on the side of making things much easier for the employer compared to say europe um, very much so compared to get compared to say europe uh there's a lot of room to like really make things a little bit fairer for the employer employees look, let's let's just look at europe right in europe most most places you're not expected to dip so and it works well here people start restaurants here it's all fine and they make enough profit so i think net effect is always just you can figure out a business model prices are just to compensate and you're fine I see. Yeah, that that makes sense. I think we're all on the same page in terms of ending tipped minimum wage would be a good thing. I guess this is my time to wrap up. So I'm just going to give a quick summary of what we did. Uh, we learned a little bit about what tipped minimum wage actually is. I didn't even know this is something that exists. Even if I had heard of tips, I didn't know it would have an effect on how much, I guess, workers were actually paid, nor the extent to which it would affect how workers are paid. Uh, something else we discussed is how legislation typically works, how we hold employers accountable for the wages they give to employees, and as well as the difference between the federal and state governments and their role in passing laws on stuff like a minimum wage. And lastly, we talked about if there is an actual effect of ending tipped minimum wage on people who aren't just the workers who rely on tipped minimum wage. So. Yeah, I think my current position is being against tipped minimum wage. Obviously, I'm going to be biased towards that, given my natural political leanings, as well as both Allison and Rocco being against it as well. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening.